This is the word of our God. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there are twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. I send the reading of the Lord's word this morning. Let's pray and ask him to bless it to us. Father, we thank you for your word. As we open up this morning, we pray that your spirit would illumine it for us, that we would see clearly and rightly, especially that we would see our Savior Jesus. Father, bless our time this morning. Bless the meditations of our hearts. May all be done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if you are a teenager, or if you've ever been a teenager, however many years ago that was, uh, you've probably counted the days until you can finally be independent. Right? It's something that every teenager looks forward to, is I finally get to be independent, I finally get to move out, I get to be 18, I get to make my own decisions. It's something that we as a country value, right? we value independence so much that we celebrate it every 4th of July. Um, but independence is, is about far more than simply where you live, right? It's not living at your parents' house that's really the problem. It's the fact that you're dependent upon someone else. Um, so independence is about being self-sufficient, not depending upon someone else. That's what we all want. We would all like to be able to make our own choices, right? lead our own lives, nobody else telling you what to do. There's probably lots of reasons that we want these things, but I think these two reasons are the main ones. Right? Not depending on someone else and nobody else telling you what to do. But if that's what you want out of life, then I would, I would not recommend Christianity. Because to follow the Lord means to depend upon Him. And it means to surrender the things that you want and instead, do His will instead. But none of us want to do that. We don't want to because as soon as we admit that we have to depend on someone else, then we'd have to admit that we're not as strong as we wish we were. As soon as we admit that we need someone else, we admit that we can't provide what we think we need. We're not strong enough. We're weak. We don't want to admit that. But the irony is, is whether we want to admit it or not, it's what's true. We will always depend upon someone. It's just more comfortable for us to believe that we can depend upon ourselves. 
We don't want to depend upon someone else, and we certainly don't want other people telling us what to do, because that means that it's not up to us what our lives look like. It's not up to us what we do with our time. It's not up to us. It's up to someone else. And in our passage today, that's where Israel's at. They want independence because they don't want to admit neediness. They don't want to be faced with the fact that they're helpless. But that's exactly what they need. Israel needs to realize that they're helpless so that they will then realize that the Lord is their helper. Israel needs to realize that they are sick because then they'll realize that God is their healer. And that's what the Lord is teaching Israel in this passage. He's, he's testing them, which means he's bringing them to the very brink, to the very point of hopelessness and helplessness so that he can step in, so that it can be clear to them that he alone is their helper, he alone is their healer, and that they will learn to depend upon him alone. So that's our thesis for today. The Lord tests you so that you would depend upon him as your healer. The Lord tests you, but he does it so that you would depend upon him as your healer. So let's first see how Israel is trying to assert independence, and then we'll see how the Lord tests them, and then we'll see how this testing produces dependence upon him as healer. So if you remember the previous section in Exodus, uh, in chapter 15, Israel had crossed the Red Sea. Uh, Pharaoh and his hosts were destroyed. They had been saved. And so in response, they sang um, this song in chapter 15, a song of, of God's salvation, a song of Israel's confession, and a song of the certain hope that they had. And now in these uh, verses beginning in 22, they, the, the story picks up, right? They had been traveling throughout um, the eastern parts. They had been in Egypt, sorry, the western parts had been in Egypt. They'd moved toward the Red Sea. Now they've crossed it, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. But things are starting to get hard. Because they go, verse 22 says, for three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, and therefore it was named Marah. Now, if you hadn't guessed, the name Marah means bitter. So this sentence comes, sounds a little bit like this. When they came to Marah, they could not drink Marah because it was Marah, therefore it was named Marah. A lot of Marah. So either this sentence was written by a robot, or God is trying to tell us something. That the name Marah and what's happening with the water is important. And I think what the Lord is trying to say is that the waters of Marah represent Israel's heart. Because Israel was bitter. Now all I have to do is read the next verse. Verse 25, or sorry, 24. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? I want you to notice three things. First, they grumbled. Right, we would think of grumbling as you know, something muttered under your breath when the person was with, out of earshot. Right? You, they walk away from the argument and you say, me. Right? that's grumbling to us. But the word that Exodus uses is more like the growling of a wild animal. It's more guttural and animalistic and, and angry. Israel's angry. 
Israel's bitter. But why? Is it simply because they don't have water? Do people grumble because of their circumstances? I don't think so. I don't think people grumble because of their circumstances. People grumble because their heart is bitter. And so when bad circumstances come upon them, it's an excuse to let that bitterness out. I think about you and your life. Do you always grumble against God simply because your life is hard? Or do you grumble because you expected something different? You expected life would be easier. You expected that you would not have difficulty. And when difficulty came, you grew bitter. And you grumble. And that's where Israel's at. They expected something different. And their hearts were bitter. And so they grumble. And the second thing to notice is that they grumbled against Moses. Saying, what shall we drink? Notice, they're not politely asking. This is not, please sir, may I have a cup of water? This is, we don't have any water. What are you going to do about it? And they're demanding from Moses. Right? Why Moses? Because Moses is a direct line to God. It's as if Israel is saying to God's servant, arrange with God to supply us with water or else. They growl against God's servant. Because notice what they don't do. They don't pray. They don't ask God for help. They don't come on their knees and say to the Lord, we have no water and we need you. They say, Moses, you better do something. Because they want to be independent. They don't want to admit that they have need. They don't want to admit to God that they need him. Because then they would have to admit that they're dependent on him. And if they admitted that they're dependent upon God, then they would have to surrender their bitterness to him. And they can't do that. So they try to manipulate God through Moses. In a word, they're trying to test God. So Moses cries out to God in verse 25. And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. Now the first question we would, were tempted to ask is, well, well, wait a minute. Did God just cave in to their demands? Did he really just let himself get manipulated? Why, why did he change the water when they asked in such a horrible way? And then the rest of the verse continues like this. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them. Israel thought, wait a minute, who's actually being tested right now? Us or God? They thought God was being tested. But God reveals that actually he's the one testing Israel. Now we think of testing right, as an examination. Sit down, you got your pen and paper, and you're filling out the little bubbles. Um, 
And so we apply that to life, right? We think that God examines us, that he puts you in tough situations uh, to see if you'll respond in the right way or not. Um, And if you fail, right, you get the bad stuff. If you do the right thing, you get the good stuff. Um, But if this were true, right, if what God says is I'm examining Israel, I'm putting them to the examination, then Israel clearly failed. They didn't respond the right way. They got an F, and so God would not have given them water. So something else is going on. God means something else when he says testing. When God says he's testing them, testing in scripture means more like purifying. It's like what we said in the intro. We want to be independent. We don't want to depend upon someone else. We certainly don't want someone else to tell us what to do. So how do you purify that out? By coming to the end of your strength. Because the only way that you will actually realize how dependent and needy you are is when you run out of resources. And you come to the end of your rope and you realize you don't have a way out. So when God says he's testing Israel, what he means is he's showing Israel how helpless they are so that they will learn to depend upon him. That's why the Lord lets them wander for three days without water. So that Israel would realize their neediness. And even though they did it grudgingly and bitterly, he still gave them water. Because he wanted them and he wants you to see trials and hardships in your life not as, as examinations that you have to pass. God wants you to see trials and hardships as ways that he is stripping away all the things that you depend upon that are not God. As removing all of the thoughts of independence you have, of showing you your neediness and your helplessness, so that then he can be your helper. That's what God is doing. Israel thought they needed water. But what the Lord is showing them is that what they really need is God. And there might come a time where the Lord tests you in this way. You might think you need a lot of things. You might think you need a job. You might think that you need a healthy body. You might think you need different circumstances. You might even think that you need food. But there may come a time where, when God will test you. When God will take away some of those things so that you will see that what you needed truly was not any of them. What you truly need is God. That's why God tests us. Because he wants us to get to the point where we realize how needy we are so that we will admit it. So that we'll admit our dependence. And when we admit it, you will not find a God who is waiting to devour you. When you admit your neediness and your dependence, you will find a God who is waiting to heal you. Verse 26 
If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. See, we we think that freedom comes from independence and nobody telling you what to do. But God is saying, true freedom is only found when you surrender. When you realize that it's not about doing what you want. Freedom comes from doing what God wants. Because when you acknowledge that God is the one in control and you're helpless without him, that is when you will actually find him as your healer and the God who gives you peace. Because verse 27, Then they came to Elim where there are twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Twelve springs of water for the twelve tribes of Israel, seventy palm trees for the seventy people of the household of Jacob who entered Egypt four hundred years ago. In a word, the Lord is bringing them to a place of completeness and wholeness and peace. This is paradise for them. See, this this whole episode is is God teaching Israel about their hearts. You want peace? Surrender. You want peace? Don't seek independence. Because a bitter heart that seeks independence from God is a dead heart. Because there is no such thing as independence from God. But God is the great healer who turns bitter hearts sweet. Right? If, if the water of Mara is Israel, then the water of Mara was made sweet. And how? God turns the bitter water sweet on the third day, and he does it by the tree. I know the ESV says log... But the word means tree. The bitter water was healed and turned sweet on the third day by the tree. How can we not see the cross? And how can we not see ourselves? How can we not see our bitter grumbling and our sin that put Jesus on the cross? But after three days, Jesus came back to life. And as Peter says, by his wounds, you are healed. And if he is the Savior who can turn bitter water sweet, if he is the one who can heal your heart and forgive your sin and turn your bitterness to sweetness, if he is the one who tests you in order to purify you so that you will come to depend upon Him alone, then He will also bring you, just like He brought Israel, to that place of 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, a place of peace. And for us this morning, that place is the table of the Lord's Supper. Because this is our little slice of heaven. Because it's at the table that those who have learned that they are needy and helpless can come and find 
their God, their healer. Because it's through the bread and the wine that Jesus says, I am the Lord, your healer. Depend upon me and I will give you living water. Surrender and submit to me and I will heal you. Because he is the Lord, your God, your healer. I'd like to invite the elders and Pastor Brett forward this morning so we can partake of this table. Almighty Lord, you are the one who quenches our thirst, who feeds us in the wilderness, who brings us to places of rest, and you are our healer. Father, please teach us and continue to test us that all of our thoughts of independence, all of the things that we depend upon that aren't you might be stripped away. Teach us to depend upon you and you alone. Teach us to surrender our will to you and to see that true freedom comes not from being apart from you, from being close to you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.